Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. It's the Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. So many sports right now. NBA, college hoops, March Madness, PGA Tour. App is safe, secure, easy to use. They've got exclusive offers, boosts, all that stuff this month on FanDuel. And when you win, you get paid fast. So jump into the action. They have live betting. You can combine multiple bets, same game and a same game parlay. Try out same game parlay plus. Start making every moment more and download the FanDuel app today. 21 plus in select states. FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342, Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT Indiana 1-800-522-4700 visit ksgamblinghelp.com Kansas 1-877-770-STOP Louisiana call 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.ma underscore helpline.org slash problem gambling visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org Maryland 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW YORK or text HOPE-NEW YORK 467-369 NEW YORK 1-800-522-4700 WYOMING or visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia. This is Prime Cuts, the best of the Colin Coward podcast. So a little preamble before I go into Nick Wright on Lamar Jackson. So the Ravens, as reported have offered him a non-exclusive franchise tag. He won't like it. He being Lamar Jackson. Meaning, the Ravens are saying, we like you, but test the market. If somebody makes a big offer, they can match. But the Ravens are rolling the dice, thinking there won't be a significant market for Lamar Jackson. Now, you all know I like Lamar Jackson. Dynamic, wow qualities when 75% of it starts. J.J. Watt went on to social media, Twitter, and asked the question, what am I missing? My response to J.J. Watt would be, you're not missing anything. Lamar Jackson's missing something. Games. He's missed 10 of the Ravens' last 22 games. Not available? Don't care how talented you are. Last two years, he's been banged up by the end of the year. So I've said this before, Bryce Young, I think he's really good. But as the quarterback position has evolved to more mobile, more athletic, more running, smaller quarterbacks, these guys are not all built to play 15, 20 years. They're not. Smaller quarterbacks in vogue, running quarterbacks in vogue. I get it. Team's saying, listen, we're going to roll it for four or five years. We're not giving you big guaranteed money. From year five to year nine. Mahomes, overwhelmingly pocket quarterback, gets his money. Josh Allen runs, but he's 6'6", 250. That's why he gets his money, Cam got his money, and Ben got his money. But if you're seen as slight, if you're seen as somebody that has to excel out of the pocket, uh, if you've been banged up more than once, Lamar Jackson has, his last 15 starts, he's got an 85 passer rating. A lot of people no longer see him as an ascending quarterback. He's a slightly regressing quarterback. So I can like Lamar, but as the quarterback position has evolved to a more athletic position, people are rolling the dice on guys that move more and guys that are smaller. I've said it with Bryce Young. I think he's the best quarterback. He's 5'10 and a half. He weighed in at 204 at the combine. You and I know he's going to play at about 193. He's 20 pounds light and three inches short. So I draft him, but two years later, I draft another quarterback. If he can get you out of purgatory, if he can get you out of the abyss, I'm Houston, I draft him. But I don't think he's at 401k here. 
That's day trading. You're going to need another quarterback in three or four years. And I think Baltimore's come to that conclusion. Is if the market says Lamar's got four or five teams bidding on him, then Baltimore's going to have to pay up. They're betting that is not the case. The Atlanta Falcons already come out, not interested. Miami Dolphins already come out, not interested. I think I think Baltimore says culture, coach, GM, owner, roster. If we can't get the right number, we're going to load up, get good at every position, and we'll find our Brock Purdy in the second, third, or fourth round at quarterback. So um, the last two years, I have watched less and less NFL Combine. And I'm going to describe right now, and this could bore some of you, but one of the reasons I love coming on this podcast that it's different than my show podcast is I can take on topics and discuss things that I would never discuss, obviously, on my show. I'm going to talk a little bit about the process of the way I do this business. So I've always said, you drive the bus. I'm not loyal to platforms and I'm not loyal to leagues. When I started in this business, I did a lot more college football. Then it got very regional. And over the last seven, eight, nine years with Alabama and Clemson's dominance, I did less college football. This year, I did more college football than I've ever done because I thought the West Coast had a little bit of a renaissance. Michigan had a renaissance. So I want the Michigans and the USC's and the Notre Dame's to be viable, not just three Southern schools. And so I talked more college football and the ratings went up in college football. So 15 years ago, I moved off baseball. Why? Because I watched the ratings and I watched slowly the attendance go down and the ratings go down and the social currency go down. And so I'm, I'm, I am loyal to what you're watching. Okay. It's like, it's a, it's a grocery store. What you're buying, I'm selling. And so the NFL combine doesn't get huge ratings, but in the last couple of years, I used to really be into it. Not as much as the draft or the season or the playoffs or college football, but I like the combine. It's a beauty pageant. I always understood that. But when Sean McVay says, I'm not going. This year, Bill Belichick, Matt LaFleur, I'm not going. I had a conversation with a general manager in the NFL earlier last week. And, you know, I threw out my theory to him that was, I said, if you told a young person, Trent Dilfer told me this years ago. 75% of NFL players don't love football. They love what football provides for them, but they don't really love football. Tony Gonzalez, the Hall of Fame tight end, once told me he thought 3% of players loved the game. Loved the game. Not the lifestyle, the game. And putting in the effort for the game. And so one of the things I've thought a lot about with the combine is I think more teams get fooled than actually find a gym. Because if you go to the last 10 drafts and you look at some of the great combine performances, teams are overdrafting players. And so when you combine some of the reaches in the draft with Dilfer and Tony Gonzalez's theory, let me just throw this out to you. If I told you, listen, if you work really hard for the next eight to 10 weeks and get in the best shape of your life, you're going to be richer than you ever dreamed. And you're going to go first or second round, even though a year ago you were thought of as a third or a fourth rounder. Would you put in the work? Of course you would. Much different than playing a season, than working out in Arizona or Miami at an academy for eight to 10 weeks, prepping for the interviews, getting abs back, putting in the, the time that you would have to put in on a daily basis if you were an NFL player. So you get these guys that come in and they're in the best shape of their life. They have been, they know exactly the questions they'll be asked. And I think what happens is people get fooled. People get absolutely fooled. And I think it's just, it's, it's our human nature. If we're going to be rewarded, we're going to really focus. And that's why to me, Belichick, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, yeah, I'm going to pass. They don't want to get fooled. Go watch game tape. Game tapes the truth because you have to play hurt in games. You have to play against people that are bigger and stronger than you. How do you react to that? That's the NFL. That's real. A game tape in the SEC or Big Ten, that's real. A real performance. Not 10 to 12 weeks of working out in Arizona and Miami, getting in the greatest shape of your life, therefore getting a payday soon thereafter in the NFL draft. It's not real life. And I think for all of us. I want to see your actual resume, job performance. What were you like for four to five years at your job? Not prepping for an interview with me. 
players now prep for the wonderlick. You can practice the wonderlick. It used to be if a guy scored high, it was just he was brilliant. Now guys score in the 30s, and I think some of the times I'm like, I don't know, they make really bad decisions as a quarterback. How do they get a 36 on the wonderlick? So I see the numbers for the combine. I've peeled back on my combine talk. I just don't think it's as relevant as I thought it was years ago. Get off the bench. Bet the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, FanDuel's giving new customers 10 times your first bet in bonus bets. Doesn't matter if your first bet is an air ball. You'll get up to $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Okay, all on a top-rated sportsbook app at FanDuel that's safe, secure, easy to use. Don't miss out. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Colin, FanDuel.com slash Colin. Then place your first bet, $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states, FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342, Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT Indiana 1-800-522-4700 visit ksgamblinghelp.com Kansas 1-877-770-STOP Louisiana call 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.ma underscore helpline.org slash problem gambling visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org Maryland 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW YORK or text HOPE-NEW YORK 467-369 NEW YORK 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia. So let's start with Daniel Jones. You're in New York. Four years, $160 million. This is batshit so, crazy, Colin. But go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I went back to Duke where he yeah. had an offensive coach, a legend, Cutcliffe, David Cutcliffe. Yeah, of course. Very, the Manning family, excellent guy. In college, he had 52 touchdowns and 29 picks. If you add in the fumbles, it's like 52 to 35. It's not even two to one. It's like <laughs> one and a half to one ratio. In the NFL, 72 touchdowns, running or throwing, 57 turnovers, fumbles yeah. or picks. So Mahomes obviously is the class of the league, four to one. Other great quarterbacks give you two and a half to three to one. Daniel's not two to one. Daniel is closer to one and a half to one. I got a worse ratio for you, Colin. Post rookie year, more games played than touchdown passes. More games started at quarterback than touchdowns thrown. He is, last year was the best year we've ever seen him. He threw 15 touchdown passes. It is. This is why the franchise tag exists. So if a guy who in a contract year has an outlier season, and again, everyone's like, this. he was great this year. He had 15 touchdown passes. You can then be like, okay, show it to us one more time. And I am shocked that the Giants made this decision. All year, this is the thing that's so baffling to me. People were arguing Brian Dable should be coach of the year. Yeah. I agreed with them in large respect because they were like, look at what he's doing with Daniel Jones. And now they're like, <laughs> here's $160 million, Daniel Jones. I thought what they would do this year was franchise Jones and risk taking a step back for the sake of information, meaning they're going to say, okay, Daniel, you actually have to play the real position now right it's not it's not just safe layups run the ball run you where you're gonna have to throw have a we're gonna throw a sophisticated passing offense at you yeah and see if you can sink or swim and if you swim we'll pay you if you because now they're in a weird spot where they have paid him and i think they have to run this this high school offense again and i'll i'll, I'll give a guy credit Greg Rosenthal 
who works for the NFL.com, writes good stuff. He's a smart guy. Because I didn't think about this. He said he thinks that ownership maybe got had a say in this. Absolutely. That ownership who had a relationship with Eli yep. and held on to him too long, that they like how he carries himself, who he is as a person, and that they put their finger on the scale. Because I can't imagine Shane and Dayball yeah. want to be tied to him for at least two more years and probably three. No, this has always been my takeaway. This is a blue blood franchise. When I was in Connecticut, most of my friends were Giants fans and Yankee fans. And and so, you know, I listened. I, I went out drinking. I hung out with Yankee and Giant fans. And there's, first of all, Giant fans have had a lot of success, like Yankee fans. Yeah. They're often older. Um. They're like Michigan Wolverine fans. They've been good since the 40s. So they tolerate a little more. They're a little more patient, right? Um, sure. And it, I always said, even when the Giants win, they're an accounting firm. They've never won and you went, wow, what a spectacular. That's not what they are. Yeah. They take sure. pride in intelligence, grinding, work ethic. That is their brand. Like the Ravens. Have they ever had a good team that wasn't tough as shit? They get, no. they are physical. Right. But, right. The Raiders want to be fast. There are certain, right. the Steelers want to have great linebackers and play defense. There are certain things okay. we know. Yep. So the Mara family, he looks like Eli. Big light. I mean, their haircuts are the same. Southern. Yep. Carries himself. Yep. It and does so all that stuff. There's and they no don't doubt. Get, they don't want to get on the carousel. So, by the time this airs tomorrow, I still think Aaron Rodgers will be a Packer. But uh, everybody flew out. Woody Johnson, Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, Nathaniel Hackett, they all flew out to California. By the way, I'm sorry. I just have to get this one-liner in and then you can do your thing. The irony of the professional athlete, maybe outside of Kyrie Irving, maybe including Kyrie Irving, who has lectured us more on the hideousness of big pharma having literally the air of the johnson and johnson pharma corporation <laughs> woo him to go with like does aaron know he's about to go work for big pharma i'm not sure but go ahead sorry as you were so they went out to go see him yeah and um you know, there's multiple reports. Mike Silver, somebody as part of the volume. Mike Silver breaks a lot of NFL stories. He's been all over this. Yeah. He's been all over it. He he had in his column uh, for Bally's the other day, kind of buried in it. Like, oh, and by the way, keep your eye on Houston with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I hadn't seen that anywhere. And now I'm seeing it pop up a few places. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But go ahead. So Silver's been all over. The Packers are done with him. Yeah. So the Packers... The Packers done with Aaron and Aaron made a point this week to basically crap on Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter saying they don't know anybody in my circle. So yep. I think that scares off some reporters. So all the leaks are coming from Green Bay and all the leaks are the exact same thing, which is we are done with Aaron Rodgers. So they are. I think. Aaron to the Jets could actually be really ugly. Now, he'll make them better. But let me throw this at you. Buffalo's got a better quarterback and a better roster. Bill O'Brien, for all his critics, was winning a division with Brock Osweiler. He's a competent offensive coordinator with Bill Belichick. I actually, And I also think Bill O'Brien's actually a good head coach. Yeah. He's ha he also doubled as the worst general manager right. I've ever seen. And so <laughs> Bill O'Brien, the GM, cut out the legs of Bill O'Brien, right. the head coach. Okay. Go ahead. Tua sure. and Mike McDaniel were tearing the league up to Thanksgiving. Tearing the league yep. up. Forget the rest of the AFC, where he's no longer an ascending player. He's no longer hungry. Burrow is. Mahomes still is. Allen is. Lamar is. Trevor. These are hungry, Trevor. committed, ascending players. Nick, I think it's very possible he's a third-place quarterback at this point in his career. Well, so I so let me add a different piece to it. Year over year, 
the best offenses pretty much stay the same unless there's a major change. Best defenses change a lot. Wildly. So that I, while, listen, I think the Jets have awesome defensive personnel, but I also think it happens that a, a team that was the third best defense in football one year, a couple bounces go differently. A couple, you play a couple tougher quarterbacks, and all of a sudden you're the 11th best defense. Yes. So I think that they, great point. A, a te- everyone's like they won seven games with the worst quarterbacking in the NFL. They did. But so now what if they have the 10th best quarterback in the NFL? Okay. But what if the defense goes from winning them five games to only winning them three games? You know, and so I think that is absolutely in play that that same defensive personnel doesn't all, you know, have the outstanding years they had. So that's concerning. The division is concerning. Here's what is also concerning. Do you know who the Jets play this year out of division? Mahomes and the Chiefs. Herbert and the Chargers, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bet that defense isn't quite as highly ranked. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and so that it's tough, right? And so then there's the. So I'm conflicted on this on a, on a principled level. I think the as a union guy, you know this about me. My dad ran firefighters union. Yeah. I'm a union guy. I'm a you know I'm not management. I I almost hate believing this. And I'll explain what this is. Sorry, I'm building a long bridge. During the last CBA, the players wanted more money. The owners wanted them to have less money. The owners said, okay, we don't want to pay you more. How about we ask you to work less? Less offseason, less mandatory days. And the players said, okay, deal. And I think the owners shrewdly understood we kind of have an uns, you know, an unspoken ally in the entirety of sports media that will shame any player that doesn't do the optional stuff. So even though it's optional and now you don't have to do it, you're going to get killed if you don't do it. So I tend to, you know, be like, hey, I don't show up for a lot of work. I'm not made to, you know, I'm not paid to go to. I get it. I do feel one can make an argument. It's a little different with the quarterbacks. And it is not lost on me that the guy who held the trophy at the end of the year not only showed up to everything, organized his own preseason in Texas to work with his new receivers. And Aaron, it skipped all of it with the Packers, right? Skipped the whole offseason that was optional. And then what did we see? The first six weeks of the season, they're not on the same page. And then, and I imagine this is super frustrating for Green Bay, All of a sudden, Christian Watson might win damn rookie of the year by the end of it. Once they get on the same page, they're clicking. And I'm sure there's a level of, damn it, if you guys had been there from week one, if we win one more game, we're in the playoffs. We win two, you know, and so so here's why I bring all that up. If I'm the Jets, I really, really want to know, are you here for everything? Are, are you go? This is a whole new team. I know you know Nat Hackett, so you're gonna know the system. But are you gonna spend the off season with my players to get on the same page? If you are, then I am much more interested than if it's uh, I'll show up for the mandatory mini camp and training camp. It's too many young players and a new everything to just parachute in. I just think that is. I think that's a, a legitimate question to ask. And I don't listen. I don't know, Aaron. I don't know what he's going to do. But it, it, the tendency of the last few years makes you think he's going to say, I'm not doing OTAs. Right. I've got a hike to oh. go on or something. Also, Aaron doesn't like to be controlled by the media. He doesn't have an owner in Green Bay. He controls the small town media. So there are some basic built-in advantages that Aaron has been accustomed to. He didn't go to a football power. He went to Cal. He had more power. Green Bay, no owner, more power. Uh, pushes back heavy on the media. Why? Because he lacked power. Um, Green Bay, the organization, he's pushed the front office around. Here's something no athlete has in New York. True power, right? The media, sure. sports talk, harsh columnists, the fans, talk radio literally controls GMs. 
it gets very reactionary. So my question about Aaron isn't the football. It's the off the field stuff. The paparazzi can't control them. You can hide in L.A. and Malibu. You can't hide in New York. You have to go to Jersey and live in the forest. Aaron's going to have to give up some personal control. He'll get major pushback from a left-leaning media. He's not going to get in the Midwest. And I think I think the football stuff, he'll be better than last year. But New York is not going to be pushed around by Aaron. They're just not. Yeah, and I just... This is a good lessons, maybe the wrong word, but it, there is you people can be as high maintenance as I, I try to be, and I actually like I I think I'm not going to obviously like name names or whatever of our colleagues like industry wide, but I think people know the people that seem to have remained pretty normal people, even as the fame and everything has grown. And the people who, in a also somewhat normal way, once they've gotten very famous and very wealthy, have started to act a little differently. And you know what I mean? Treat people a little differently, whatever it is. I think I will name this name in a positive way. Uh, it seems to me from my interactions, whatever story I've ever ho- heard, that Ernie Johnson, Scott Van Pelt are two of the nicest people in right. in the media you know what right. i mean that treat people well do all these things and they're super famous and and accomplished right you you don't have to do that if you're that level of successful talented and valuable but the moment you stop being quite as valuable and talented man people remember how they've been treated, what a pain in the ass you've been. And there's not a lot of like grace. Like there's not a lot of, and people, the Packers seem to be active. Like if I were the Jets, I would have paused by the fact that the Packers are done with this guy. Yeah. Whether we trade for him or not, they're done with it. They have, they, they have more information on him than anybody. They're like, we've had our full. You know what I mean? It was a good run, but we're done with it. And that would be at least a little concerning to me because I don't think he's a great player anymore. I think he's a good player. Yeah. I don't think he's a great player anymore. People keep saying he won two MVPs. He did. And then this year he was average. Not by his standards. By his standards, the worst year of his career. By NFL standards, he was average. So very expensive. Oldest quarterback in the league, right? He's the oldest now. Yeah. Brady's gone. He's got to be. Old, expensive, old, deteriorating. Yeah. And a lot to deal with. I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, they're just bigger, stronger athletes. Lamar Jackson's faster. Uh, Mahomes is more accurate. Burrow is more accurate. I mean, it happens to all of us. I'll know it at some point. I can see young, talented people out there. Aaron isn't as big as the good ones, isn't as fast, isn't as healthy, isn't as committed. We have to just be honest. Burrow, these these guys are like, when you watch Mahomes, he is the greatest come from behind quarterback, not by a little. Aaron doesn't have that skill. Burrow now and Mahomes are the best situational quarterbacks, period, on the planet. Josh Allen does things that even Mahomes can't do. He's physically... He's the best physical... He's the best physical specimen. So people, it's, say some nice it's not Allen. a knock. Aaron's, Aaron's six, one and a half, 39 years old. And it would like be if I didn't prep for my show. He doesn't commit in the offseason. So he's like a 92 passer rating guy now. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. 
or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I love talking to Nick about hoops. Um, I think if you watch my show and have listened to my show for years, you know I'm an NFL, NBA guy with some college football. I want to start with discussing a place I used to work, ESPN. This week, there was a moment, Nick, where Kendrick Perkins sort of pushed back on Jokic, Steve Nash, and Dirk Nowitzki winning MVPs. So what Kendrick Perkins was asserting is there have been three white players, Dirk Nowitzki, Dallas, Steve Nash, Phoenix, a couple of times, and Jokic, who are not top 10 in scoring, but are winning MVPs. He said, what do they all have in common? J.J. Redick fired back, asserting that Kendrick Perkins was playing, you know, the race card, and it was unfair. It was a highly contested moment. And it was pretty riveting television. And I'm wondering, uh, Nick, because you've been outspoken where you think Jokic is an overstated player. What was your reaction to that, you know, very turbulent TV moment? I didn't see the whole segment, but I saw the clip. So I will preface it with that. Um, there is nothing. And I know we're going to talk about this, but I'm really glad we are. There are very, very few things that make me more frustrated than when people who know better, smart people, act like someone invoking the idea that race could play a part in things means they are calling giant swaths of people racist. Right. Kendrick did not call NBA voters racist. Kendrick raised the point, I believe what he raised was, in NBA history, or in the last 50 years, whatever it is, there have been three guys to win league MVP without, or in the last 40 years, I think, without being in the top 10 in scoring. And it was Dirk, Nash, and B. Jokic this year. And in the last 60 years, there's been one guy to win three straight MVPs, Larry Bird. And now it looks like it's going to be Jokic now. I, that You raised that point and clearly implied yeah. race is a factor. That does not mean you are calling everyone racist. That's right. It is no different than if when I talk about offensive coordinators who've made it to the Super Bowl and the coaching opportunities they've gotten, and then there's Eric Bieniemy and Byron Leftwich, I think race has played a factor, even if it is a subconscious factor. In this. Yeah. And I think that if we are just flatly analyzing the Jokic situation, since 1980, three guys have won an MVP with a team not being a top three or four seed. Moses in 82, Russ, the triple double year that you mentioned, Jokic last year. So, right or wrong, that was an aberrant event. It, that was in a so he got an exception that there, right? I just said in the last 60 years, only one guy has won three in a row. Yeah. So him winning three in a row would be an exception to what the history is. Sure. Is it is it in play that there is and I saw some an NBA trainer, a white NBA trainer, I forget who it is, actually tweeted this. I think it's an interesting point. 
his belief that the general media, the white general media, tends to subconsciously, maybe unintentionally, underrate good white players. They think, ah, probably not that good. The guys who are like, actually, you know, those guys actually get underrated by maybe a guy like J.J. Redick. Right. Maybe J.J. didn't get enough credit for how good of a player he was because he was white. That doesn't mean they're racist. It means race works in our brains a bunch of different ways. While while that happens, simultaneously. Yeah. Slightly, slightly overrating the great white players. Right. And, and, and do I think that happens? Yes. Do I think it is noteworthy that every time Michael or LeBron or Giannis won back to back, the voters then said, okay, let's, let's try someone else. Let's, you know what I mean? Let's just give someone else a try. But Bird won three in a row and Yoke's about to win three in a row. I think it's noteworthy. I, I don't think that means we're calling anyone God dog clans. Right. And it is, it is to me trying to shut down a conversation. I, I, I actually do not think, I, I think if I'm listing all the reasons that Jokic is now going to win probably his third trade MVP, race would not be in my top five. But it would be a, it would be somewhere on that pie chart, a very small one. So I think it is a, I, I think it is more nuanced than people give it credit for. And I, I didn't, I would have been very upset if I were Kendrick, and a, and a teammate did that to me. I wouldn't have liked it. So I'm listening to KG, his podcast with Paul Pierce, and he mentions how he's like, man, I've been in this league a long time. I read body language. He goes, when LeBron had that night and AD didn't even get up, I don't care if you have a bum ankle, you get up. And he said he thinks the Lakers are looking at these next 10 games without LeBron as the future of AD. Can they win without LeBron? If they can't, AD's he's gone. But it was really interesting. So I mentioned something. Um, I had been tipped by somebody in, around the Lakers that said, you know, LeBron and AD, after that reaction to LeBron breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar all-time scoring record, they're not boys. It's not um, hostile, but then they're, they're not guys, right? You can tell from body language. KG points this out. When I mentioned that two days later, I got the strongest reaction from LeBron's people on anything I've ever said. What does that tell you? They got really defensive. I think there is a feeling. LeBron feels like he kind of needs him for at least this year. Because I, I had been told in the last year, there are times LeBron is disappointed. He came in post-bubble out of shape. It was his turn to sort of you know, triumphantly take the team when LeBron's missing, 80s often not playing as well. You know, they've only played like 12 games together since the bubble. That's their longest streak. And there's been some disappointment in the LeBron camp. When I said that, major reaction from LeBron's group. And I trusted my source. So my, my takeaway on this is LeBron left D. Wade, okay, and didn't give him a heads up. One of his best friends ever. Uh, Le, you know, Mello's one of his best friends ever. He's never really actively pursued him and said, bring him in. He did with Westbrook. Sure. He didn't yep. with Mello. And and I, I guess my takeaway is this, is that the LeBron AD thing is over, but LeBron's really sensitive to it because he did move off Wade. He did get criticized for it. I think it's over. I think LeBron's smart enough to see the temperature in the room on social media. He's not he's gonna he's gonna be there for him when he's mic'd. He's like, I love you, man. He makes sure everybody knows. But I'm not gonna just say AD's reaction to the Kareem moment is nothing. Well the, it, listen, I, I it's certainly not nothing. I don't know what it was. It was one of the most bizarre things I, I've seen in sports in a couple of years. I it was one of the most bizarre shocking Things I've seen in sports, and I don't 
I don't have any sourcing on what was going on. I, I, I think I speculated with you, but I, it's been so long. And this was just blind speculation uh, because it was so bizarre. I thought something bizarre had to have happened. And, you know, that was right around the trade deadline. And we knew the Lakers called about Kyrie. And we now know Durant was available. And I, again, I have no sourcing on this. And I've said it on TV a couple times and no one has texted me like, you're on to something. So I'm probably wrong. I'm just saying in the moment, I was like, I wonder if part of it, once the Nets were like, we're not doing Kyrie. It's like, well, any interest in Anthony Davis for Kevin Durant? And that that filtered back to to AD and he felt betrayed. You know, and felt hurt, you know, whatever. Because something had, here's what I do know without having any sourcing. Something happened. Right. Because that was weird. That was as weird as it gets. With all that said, I I don't think the Lakers are dead this year, man. I don't. You can say I'm crazy. I just, I go up and down the Western Conference. I'm like, okay, the one seed is Denver. I know a healthy LeBron and AD can beat them. I know that. I, I've said the one I totally agree. Memphis now is off into the weeds. Memphis is, is who knows <laughs> with Memphis? By the way, got, John Morant reportedly, J-Mac said this to me today on the air, is that, and this was two days ago when this airs, is that, you know, when Jaw goes out, his teammates don't go with him. He's got his guys. Is that, is is there resentment that he has blown the season I, up in that room? Me, I don't know, but I do know that Memphis is right now not looking as good as they were at any point in the last 18 months. Yeah. The three seed, God love them, is light the damn beam Sacramento. And I got mad respect for Sacramento. My lo- my lovely wife, who you adore, yeah. she's from Sacramento. Love the people there. No defense. None. It, I mean, best offense in the league, but no experience and no defense. Same with okay? Dallas. So th- Since Kyrie showed up, they you shoot fifty three percent against the yeah. Mavs. No yeah. defense. It's, it's, it, I right. We joked about this on the show. NBA used to be a race to a hundred. With the Mavs, it's kind of like a race to one twenty five. It's like who's going to get there first? Like the um, I, Phoenix set them aside for a moment. They are they should be the favorites. I get it. Dallas is my pick at the beginning of the year. I don't think Kyrie's part of winning. I don't love it. They, the last year they had the number eight defense. It's falling apart. I know you believe in the Warriors. It, I got a fa- I got a nut fact for you, Colin. Since 1980, the worst road record to win a title, 21 and 20. The Warriors have won seven times on the road this year. I don't think it's their season. Okay. So now then you have the Clippers who made the brilliant decision of adding Russell Westbrook for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> so it, the, and then there's Phoenix, which has everything you'd want. It, yeah. Not quite as much depth as you'd want. However, there are certain teams that when an injury happens, the Bucks last year with Middleton, it's like, God dog it. What terrible luck. Couldn't see it coming. Bad timing, bad luck. There are certain teams when injuries happen, like the Lakers every year post-bubble. It's like, well, yeah, one guy's in year 20 and the other guy's been injured his whole career. Or the Clippers. It's like, well, Kawhi, is his body's breaking down. The Suns, veteran leader and best player, are incredibly injury prone now. You can't, like Kevin Durant is more, is, is post Achilles is injured all the time. So I just say that you yeah. can't, you always, people always throw out the caveat of if healthy. Well, there are certain teams more likely to be healthy than others. And the Suns, Clippers, and Lakers are three teams that if they're hurt, it's like, yeah, well, that's, you know, you that's the risk you run. So the point I'm making is, I think, I think you, everything you said about the relationship might be correct and the Lakers long-term might be correct. But I also think if they can survive this time without LeBron, it, I don't, and I don't know the severity of the foot injury, but if they survive it, LeBron having three weeks off before a playoff run in a wide open West, I'm not ready to write him off yet. Maybe I'm, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> A romantic, but I'm not ready to write them off. I will tell you one team that I think is going to feel like this could have been a year for a great run, 
and now is questioning everything about it was the Pelicans. Yeah. Pelicans are looking unbelievable. And now we don't know when Zion's ever going to play. Yeah. And that's a disaster. Well, the Zion John Morant class felt great. Zion can't get healthy and John Morant can't grow up. So, you know, it, it's one of the things, not that I defended job, but I said, you know, in the NFL, um, you know, a guy comes in after four years at Georgia, three or four years at Alabama, they've gone to college, they've the global perspective of classmates, they've had hard coaching. These are men. The two best guys in this year's draft forego college, <laughs> right? So it's AAU or international basketball to a paid league to the NBA. They can't drink in the team hotel. So I think part of what's sort of endemic in this sport, and you got to come to terms with it, is these guys aren't emotionally ready. And I think it's just a reality. I sort of build it in is when I look at these rookies, first of all, they all hit a wall year one because college basketball is regional travel, mostly 36 games. NBA is is domestic travel count preseason playoffs could be a hundred games. So they all hit a wall, like game 65. They can't keep weight on, you know, they're just, they have to play defense. They're burning 7,000 calories a night by year two expectations ramp up social media, parents, uh, hanger honors. So the jaw situation, I think will get turned it around and I'm not defending him. But isn't this sort of something that's built into the sport? These are kids. Now they have revenue basketball, revenue shoes, revenue social. Oh, it's overwhelming. Oh, I'm, listen, so here's the thing. I'm amazed anybody at that age, that money, that fame doesn't just create disaster after disaster. So I am super, you know, I've told the story to you before. I'm smart kid. I think good family, all the opportunities. Forget getting 50 million. I write out a college loan who wants to be a millionaire and won 50,000. And it's gone in nine months. Gone. With the, By the way, I didn't, have, I didn't buy a car. I didn't have any assets. It was spent gambling, drinking, out is spent. People are like, ah, you're paying for everybody's lifestyle. Yeah, of course you are. Of course you are. That the, the, I, the, So I'm going to defend a lot of that stuff. Like people are like, oh, all these guys, they're paying for their friends. As soon as you have money, you like doing things that cost money and nobody likes to do them alone. So it's like, hey, guys, want to go to dinner? And if all your friends are like, yeah, I've got money for Fridays and you have money for Mastro's. And I guess what? You're all going to Mastro's and you're paying the bill. It's like, hey, guys, it's the off season. You're going on vacation. And they're like, yeah, I can pay for Branson. And you're like, hmm, I was thinking Barbados. I guess we'll all go and I'll pay for it. So I understand like yeah. all of that stuff is to me totally reasonable. The gun stuff scares me. And again, I'm going to couch it with this part of it. I There is legitimate, understandable pushback. From people who are like, hold on a second. We got more guns than people in this country. Everybody's allowed to have guns. And we only freak out when it's a young black guy. He wasn't breaking any laws, potentially all that. Got it. I actually think in a lot of ways, there are fair points there as far as the hypocrisy of it all. What is undeniable, though, is what he is doing is dangerous. Forget if it's right or wrong. It's dangerous. I... It, it would be dangerous anywhere. It is particularly dangerous in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee has the third highest homicide rate of any major city in the country. 50 biggest cities. Bloomberg just had this. 50 biggest cities in America. Memphis, Tennessee's murder rate is number three. It is nine times New York City. Okay. Which means if you are one of as far as gun violence, the most dangerous cities in America, you're one of the most dangerous cities in the world in developed countries. That's where he lives. We just saw in Memphis a Memphis celebrity, beloved young Dolph, a rapper, murdered at a bakery in the last year. 
I don't know if Ja's a real gangster or not. I don't know if he's hanging with real gangsters or not. I don't know if he's just, you know, playing for the gram. I know that city. My wife, who you adore, her best friend, who you've met a few times, saw at the Super Bowl, Nicole, yeah. who, uh, the, who's with us all the time, lives in Memphis. We go to Memphis a lot. I know the city. I know the nightlife. I, I told this story on, on my pod the other day. I don't know if I should tell it or not, but, I, but I, whatever. We went down to Memphis for the Southern Heritage Classic. Uh-huh. The ja- Dion's team, Jackson Stadium, yeah. we saw it. That night, we went out. Went out to a lot of the places that I know, like, are pl- places Ja goes in Memphis. That, that scene, that, those clubs, right? One of the guys who was promoting one of the parties that night knew I was coming. He, he knew Nicole, knew I was coming, whatever. When we got there, he said, hey, thanks for coming, Nick. I was like, yeah, it's great, whatever. And he said, this is such and such. He's going to be with you tonight. Like, huh? He's like, no. He's like, I brought it. He's one of my security guys. He's just going to be with you all night. I'm like, no. Come on, man. Like, I thought he was doing it like I was like some big shot. He's like, no. He's like, I I know my city and I know... I'll feel better. He'll be with you. His point was, you have a little bit of notoriety, a little bit of jewelry. I, I'd i feel better if I knew someone yeah. who knew everything about the city was here with you. And now some might say, and if bosses hear this, they might say, hey, Nick, maybe go to a different club. <laughs> maybe, maybe right. go somewhere else. But whatever it is, you're young, you're having fun. That is... Where Ja lives and whether he is an actual tough guy or not, actual tough guys see these videos and see how he's conducting himself. And I I, I don't think it's being uh, hyperbolic to say what he's doing is dangerous. Yeah. Not that he's going to hurt someone. That something could happen to him. And... And this is the last point I'll make on it. The opportunity in front of him, there is like, he's in a very unique spot because if if someone were to say who are the best players in the NBA over the next, you know, six years. So LeBron's gone. Durant's probably aged out of it. Steph might be aged out of it. So like, you know, from 2026 to 2032 are the best players. People probably say, well, Giannis, Luka, Jokic, Embiid, and then you say Ja, Tatum, whomever. Here's my point. There is a lot of money in being, he's never going to be the best player in the league, but he might be the best American player in the league for a long time. Because all the guys ahead of him, there's different marketing available for the best American player. There just is. Like they, Luka and Jokic and Giannis are not going to get all of the endorsements that the guy who's the best player in the league should get as an American guy would. That could all go to job. People love him. He's electrifying. But the shit he's doing is dangerous. It's flatly dangerous. And I hope he... I I hope he gets that and I hope he's I hope he's all right. So when Sean Payton would come on the show with me this year on Mondays, he said, you know, Parcells used to say your first 15 picks do not take an undersized player regardless of position. Tua is not a top 15 pick. Uh, Kyler Murray now we're finding doesn't want to get hit. Jalen Hurts, great player. Second round. Drew Brees, second round. Smaller players. I mean, you know, Dave, half this league is undrafted. So I look at Bryce Young. He's 5'10 and a half. That's about three inches short. And he's going to weigh. I mean, in the combine, he's over 200. He ate a lot of steaks and a lot of potatoes. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, you know that. He's going to play at 196. What do you do with him? I do think he's the I think he has one, two things I'll say. He's accurate. And Dave, I watched him in high school and college. His pocket awareness is f- fantastic. He has an absolute yep. feel for the pocket 
which I think Dave is innate, innate. I don't think you can teach it. Some guys never, Sam Darnold, love him, never feels it, ever. He runs away too early. He doesn't see it. Um, Bryce Young's pocket awareness is A++. <sighs> He's small. He does To me, he doesn't work in Chicago, uh, a windy, cold northern environment. But God, right. Houston, Dave, uh, Atlanta, a, a dome, Dave, I don't know. How do you pass him up? No, I, I think that, you know, I talked to about eight. I'm a member of the 33rd team, okay? Parcells actually got it started. And we were talking on there. There was five or six G- general managers on there. And and they talk to people around the league, GMs, personnel people more than I do. And there is a real split feeling on these quarterbacks. I mean, they they yeah, Bryce Young, you're talking about uh, in the right situation. But after this combine workout, CJ Stroud. There's some people like there's one guy that was talking about Will Levins, how they like how he gets the ball out, and for their yeah. style of offense, he would be perfect. You know, and, and then the Richardson's kid, I mean, he's got all the intangibles, I guess. I, I have never studied him. One year doing it makes me a little nervous with him. But the point is that there's not, in, in, in NFL general managers' minds, there's not a Trevor Lawrence in this opinion. No. So, you know, I, I, I would not be surprised. I mean, I think that it'll be Bryce Young, but I don't know. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of different stories. And it's a matter of who's going to fit in your offense. You talked about the different cities, the mentality of your offense. Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be real interesting. I don't know any negatives except the size. Look at, you know, Drew Brees, people passed on him. We did it the Dolphins because of his size. But he was very accurate at, when he was at Purdue and he moved in the pocket. He, Drew Brees did a lot of things that Bryce, Bryce Young does. He really does without as good a supporting cast as they have in Alabama now. You know, I I said this in the preamble to this interview about the combine. Belichick, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur have said, nah, I'm not going to go. Here's what I worry about. Um, Dave, when you play in a college or a pro football season, you're hurt by week three. Nobody's healthy. You match up against guys that are bigger and stronger than you. I want to see game tape. I worry. It's a complete cottage industry now, coach. Prepping for the Wonderlick, prepping for the Combine. Shit, I think you get fooled. I think Belichick has been fooled by players. These guys come in, Dave. If I went to you, and Trent Dilfer said something to me years ago. He goes, 75% of these guys don't love football. They love what football provides for them. And I was told by my agent, get in the best shape of your life. You'll never have to work. You're going to be a late first rounder. (laughs) Dave, I, I look at the Combine now. I think you get fooled a lot. I see some of these combine beauty pageant contestants. <laughs> I mean, where, where did you fall in on it? I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. Well, it, it wasn't is <laughs> it wasn't the extreme back then as it is now. But I work. I won't give the names. I, I I've worked with about four or five agents in Naples, Florida, in our in your old stomping grounds, and they would bring in their college players. And one of the challenges I had was getting him to draw the circles, Colin. Picture this on a, on a board, the circles of an offensive formation where one guy was drawn, you know, the, the size of a dinner plate and the other guy then next to him was the guard who was the size of a quarter. I mean, you know, prepping him. So at the end of this week, all I did was what you're talking about. This is how you got to answer the questions. This is how when they draw on the board, this is what you got to draw. So you're 100% right. And these guys are getting scolded, yes, from the agent. But there's a lot of guys like mine, ex-coaches, that are spending a lot of time with these guys. I sat in those meetings for over 15 years as a head coach and a GM and head coach at the Dolphins. I asked those questions. I know what the coaches want to hear when the tape goes on and you make a mistake. I know exactly what they don't want to hear, too. Right. So, I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that's been, been schooling them. You're 100% right. Yeah, no, I mean, shit, there's a real industry out there for a Dave Wanstat. Dave, here's a lot of money. <laughs> Teach these kids Come. what this is. How say? to draw circles. How to draw circles. <laughs> so, Aaron Rodgers goes in a, a darkness retreat. 
you know, my takeaway is I'm pretty new school on this. I got fairly young kids. Whatever it takes for you to get your mind clear, shit, I don't care, Dave. If you got to go to therapy, uh, when the season ends, go take six weeks, go find yourself. Um, but I've had this belief for a long time that Favre and Aaron are really similar, that the lack of an owner allows the quarterback for the Packers, if talented, to essentially run the franchise. And because Green Bay is the smallest market, if they're bad at quarterback, they're not on television. In my childhood, 70s and 80s, the Packers were right. never on television. Right. Uh, they, I mean, they, they, they really weren't. And I think they're paralyzed by it. If there, if there was a Jerry Jones or an owner in Green Bay, and, and, and Aaron said, I'm, I'm going to go in a darkness retreat. He'd say, well, when you're done with that, I want an answer. Or you're going to go in a darkness retreat. I'm going to send you to the Jets. You'll be dark for the rest of your career. Right. You tell me <laughs> when, when you were with J Jerry or Wayne Huizinga, go back to all your owners. Were there moments that an owner was actually really important to set a precedent, to be a voice, to hold people accountable? Because... Favre and Aaron have gone on this retirement threat tour, both of them, for the last five years of their careers. Yeah, I would say no. I mean, I, that's probably not the answer you want to hear. But quite honestly, you know, I was at Miami when Wayne Huizenga hired me and Dan Marino was at the end of his career. And the first job that I had was go in and sit down and talk to Dan, who I knew was a fellow pit guy. University of Pittsburgh, and tell him that we were changing offenses and I didn't see there being a fit that he could be on the team, but we were going to go a different direction on and on. We had Chan Daly, who was going to do a lot of movement stuff, not to drop back. We were changing the Don Shula offense. When Jimmy was there, he kept that pretty much in place. I was completely getting a new playbook. And uh, so I kind of went through that. Wayne Huizinga was never involved with it. Jerry Jones, when I was at the Cowboys, when Jimmy Johnson was there, Jerry Jones was never involved in what was going on with Troy Aikman. Never. It, it would have never happened. Jimmy would have left earlier if that was the case. I mean, he, he wouldn't have put up with it. Uh, so I wouldn't buy that. I um, Does it bother uh, you? Does it bother you that Aaron has sort of a laissez-faire yes. attitude on updating the Packers? Yeah, it, it does because last year we made a commitment to him. I mean, we really did. And yeah, it's a two-way street. I get that. But we kind of went through the same thing last year and we made this big commitment, big money commitment. Uh, so it, it does bother me. Uh, I personally think he'll end up back there. I mean, yeah, you, you know, there's a hook to go maybe with to the Raiders with uh, Devontae Adams because he's a buddy of his. There's a hook to go with Hackett to the Jets because it might be a similar offense. But, but but I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants a lot of change. And he knows what he's getting in Green Bay with LaFleur. He knows the offense. He knows the receivers. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I um, he, he knows what he wants to do. You talk about a guy that has an off-season routine now. All of a sudden, you go to the Jets, and, and they want you in the weight room four days a week. You know I mean? Routines change. That is not going to fit. That was the biggest thing with Dan Marino. And Dan and I talked about it. I says, hey, it ain't going to be like it was, Dan. You know, we're going to start OTAs like tomorrow. And we're going to get in on the off-season program tomorrow. Whoa, coach, I got off-season commitments. And I go, Dan had a lot of stuff going on. You can imagine. And it's been that way. He deserved it for years. And all of a sudden, we were going to change that. The routine change in his mind, I think, was as much as anything. I think that's going to play a part in this with Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day. I truly do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, you drafted Jordan Love in the first round. At some point, you have to. Pay, you don't want to pay him before you've seen if he can play. And you know he's a tough one to sign. So because if you make a trade for Aaron Rodgers, okay, if I'm at the Jets, every the, the Packers are going to want multiple picks. Well, it can't be multiple picks. This is a one year deal in their minds. We'll give you something for one year, and and then if it happens the next year, maybe we'll do something for the next year. But I think it's a tough sell to get somebody to give up a lot to get Aaron Rodgers. Think about it. When you're when you're back of your mind, you're thinking this could be a one and done situation. 
If he didn't like it at Green Bay, winning MVPs, you know, uh, he he could surely have a problem with us, with a new system and new players, a new city, a new place to live, new media. I mean, so it's a one-year deal in my mind if I'm on the other end thinking of giving up something for Aaron Rodgers. volume make sure to check out the draymond green show i brought draymond green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports unique perspective understands behind the rope also chops up with guests like gary payton zach levine tracy mcgrady make sure download the draymond green show wherever you get your podcasts only on the volume podcast network hi let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. 